0: Welcome to Narratives and Nightcaps, the book club podcast where we dive into the details of a novel, pair it with a fitting nightcap, and then we'll leave a little review when all is said and done. I'm Brie. And I'm Megan. And we are still talking about The Midnight Library by our boy Matt. Our boy,
1: Matt. We won't even say his last name anymore. <laughs> Our boy, Matt. <laughs> Y'all know who he is.
0: <laughs> Got it. Look him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: Well, how are you? I'm good. I'm, you know, just sipping on my mojito, kicking it while the baby naps.
0: <laughs> Very nice. I, too, am sipping on my mojito. So, Cheers. Cheers. Um, I- no baby napping, but I do have a dog napping behind me. So, that's close enough. Kai's your baby. <laughs> he is my baby. He's my baby boy. So, oh, and I am drinking out of my Iowa glass because I get to see you next week and I'm so, so excited
1: for our so, final episode of this book, but also obviously just to visit and hang out. Which is Yes. Great.
0: We will recap, yes, and to hang out and drink and talk about life but before I guess we dive into the book what were your initial thoughts feelings about this part two? I just like I really
1: really really am enjoying this book and I think I said this last time like this is not my genre typically at all and I have just been so intrigued by it like every time we are reading the next part I'm like finishing it that day because I'm just like okay I gotta I just gotta read it and so what I I think really have been enjoying the most is just and obviously we'll dive into this more but just Nora's perspective is just changing so much more and so much more positively I think and so I feel like, hey, I'm hoping there's a happy ending for her, but I it's just been such a journey, like seeing her at her darkest points to now kind of coming to this realization that life maybe isn't so disappointing after all. And it's it's probably worth living and continuing to discover herself and her passions in life. So. I have I've really liked part two, obviously, as much as I liked part one. And I think this this part for me at least has just felt a lot a little more upbeat, I think, than part one did. <laughs> Cause I think like last episode, I feel like we we're like, oh, it's so dark and so depressing. And this time I'm like, go Nora, you got this girl. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps.
0: <laughs> I agree. It was a little bit more positive, I would say. I mean still some some like dark things that happened in these Alternate lives, but I, I thought the same thing. I go, oh, okay, this second part was a little more positive. I also flew through the oh, second okay. section. It I couldn't put goes, it down. <laughs> yeah, it, it goes by so quickly too with the layout and the jumping through, you know, between lives back to the library to a different life. I feel like that's partly what makes it go by so fast is just that structure. And The other thing I'm really happy about is, so one concern that I guess I never really said or talked to you about, but one concern that I had about this novel initially was I was worried it was going to be very self-help, like Mm -hmm. a disguised self-help book. And so that was concerning to me. No offense to the self-help books of the world. They're just not really my cup of tea. And so, and it hasn't been that way. I don't no. think that at all. It's definitely been been a story. And yes, it's full of life lessons and things that Nora is learning, but it doesn't come across that same way. So very thankful for that as well.
1: For sure. And on that note, like, and I think we said this last episode too, but it's it's very relatable. Like, I think that anyone who has maybe gone through a darker time or just a time of, uncertainty or I mean this could even be kind of a I know that Nora's 35 but just like almost a coming of age like a self-discovery book versus a self-help book um in the sense like it's just it's written again so relatably and so well that I think anyone could just pick a portion of what she's going through and realize, oh my gosh, like I, how can I learn from this or how, how has this affected me that maybe I need to reflect on it? Or, I mean, uh, the last section, we talked a lot about the book of regrets, like, you know, how, how can I maybe erase some of those regrets or like forgive myself for some of those things or, or whatever the case may be. So I, I'm with you. I don't feel like it's a self-help book, but I definitely feel like there are lessons and pieces that anyone could relate to and pull out from the book to maybe make improvements in their lives if they wanted to.
0: <laughs> right. we are learning how to live as Mrs. Elm um, sort of says. Yes, so. exactly. Okay. So let's recap part one. So part one, we covered the beginning of the book up to peppermint tea. And then this one we read started at peppermint tea and read up to um I don't even have it written down about the dogs or why like why leave this life if you know what I'm talking about and it's, I'll mention why that not here. another universe if this one has dogs. Thank you. Thank you thank you. No it was dogs. Okay. So recapping that first third <laughs> um which I mean true. Like to be honest I don't want a life that doesn't have Kai in it. So my baby. <laughs> okay so at the very beginning of the midnight library we know that Nora Seed is going to decide to die her life is just not at all like she imagined or what she thought it would be when she was growing up and thinking about all of the different paths and places she might take and All she really feels is agony and despair. She feels a lot like a black hole with nothing to contribute to life, big or small. We saw big instances, even the smallest of things. She just feels like no one needs her. She feels like she has no purpose. So she decided to die. And in doing so, she actually ended up at a place called the Midnight Library, which is a place between life and death with the librarian Mrs. Um. And this library is filled with books and all of them provide an alternative narrative or an alternate life for Nora. So with each book that she reads, Nora gets to live these different lives for seconds, minutes, days, basically until she feels disappointment in that life, in which case she fades right back into the library. So we left off sort of midway in what it was, quote, the successful life. That was the last chapter that we did where Nora is a famous Olympian and an inspirational speaker. So we're going to pick up in the chapter Peppermint Tea. And Nora's brother, Joe, is her manager in this life. And their relationship seems to be going really well, which is different from Nora's root life where it sounds like they haven't been speaking. They're not on great terms. So things are going great with this relationship. She doesn't really know why at first, um, given that this life is also... Not the dream that Joe had originally wanted to pursue. He had really wanted them to pursue the career of music with their band, The Labyrinth. So he's really happy and she's kind of thrown off by this. Um, But on that note too, Nora has clearly made Joe's career in this life, a real possibility. Like he would not be in this position if it weren't for her and her successes. So, He's married, though, and he seems, she says, genuinely happy, which is, I mean, that's good. Um, But we also learned that he was an alcoholic at one point in life or in this life. So it kind of sounds like she maybe helped him turn things around. Um, He mentions how he ran into Robbie, who Nora also ran into in her original life, and if you remember, they sort of had a conversation that didn't go well, and he mentioned that she was just scared of life, and she kind of bolted and retaliated verbally a little bit. So he mentions how he ran into Ravi in this life. um, and Ravi, it sounds like is planning to come to this conference that Nora is about to speak at. Nora really starts to question her brother about her mom, um because, her mom had passed away. Her dad had cheated on her mom. There's a lot of emotions, a lot of questions, things that she doesn't understand. And he, Joe starts, I mean, he starts to feel like something is off with Nora too. And he asks her if her quote, new tablets are working. So it's like, even in this quote, successful life, she's I mean, she's needs medication in some way to help with either anxiety or depression. Like things are just not always what they seem on Mm -hmm. the surface. So Joe says, you know, their mom was on quote, like a bottle of gin every day after their dad's affair. And Nora's reaction to all of this is pretty worrying to Joe. And this is all just as she is about to like walk out onto a stage and have to speak about success and be inspiring for who knows how many people.
1: Yes. And if we remember, I mean, she had to, in the last episode, look up a, a TED talk of herself, like being this inspiring person. So now she's faced with Oh shit. Like I have to go on stage and like actually talk to these people. But imagine just like waking up in this life and all of a sudden it's like, okay, you're on, you know, it's like, what? I can't even, I mean, and of course they're not necessarily like waking up, but just, I mean, to walk into a life where clearly a speech is something you prepare for. And she's just like,
0: Oh, I guess I'll wing it. (laughs) Right. Oh my goodness. I would be terrified, terrified. It's just, And people have an expectation of her too. And so they, they all, they know why they're there and they have an idea of what they're going to get and she's not prepared for this. So not to mention like all of the emotions um, and the knowledge that she's gained about her dad and Nadia and Joe and her mom. It's just, it's a lot on top of what she's already going through
1: something else that i didn't realize the connection until you just spoke about it too that i think is kind of interesting is that in this successful life two people her dad and her brother were both kind of positively affected by her fame in a sense like obviously it made joe's career but i also think in a sense like it did help him with alcohol recovery and then the same with her dad like he saw her being an athlete, being around these athletic people, he also got himself into shape and was able to, you know, get off medication or prevent whatever disease we knew killed him in the first chapter or in the first section. So I think it's been an interesting perspective too, to see that not only is she successful, but she's also kind of made her family as a whole successful in a sense, or at least a portion of them. But then of course, with every upside there's the negativity of you know her dad cheated on her mom her mom has since passed away her mom turned out to be an alcoholic and that's what she ended up dying from so i just and i never realized that connection because we kind of had those pieces separated too but hearing you say it out loud i was like dang like she's she's done good things with this life but also like sad things have happened
0: (laughs) right i mean but such as life too. And I think Nora starting to find that a little bit, especially over this section is not this life is obviously by no means perfect. And there's a lot that's happened, but she is sort of starting to see like the happiness and the pain. And I mean, would there really, would anyone really be able to find happiness if there weren't also painful things happening right. to them? That's true. So, Okay, so next chapter is the tree that is our life. And I mean, hard to have a book about life and not have a tree metaphor, because I feel like that's so common. So Nora is panicking, of course, as we just said, about having to speak. And she even mentions this to Joe, like, I'm not ready for this. I can't go do this. But all he says is, quote, don't let us down. And I really didn't like this. I mean, Joe, happy for you in this life that you have obviously found happiness, but I the pressure that this statement puts on Nora and anyone in a situation. Oh, I rubs me the wrong way. Don't I hate
1: one. when anyone puts a a plural distinction like that on a singular success. Yeah. Because it's all Nora. Like she's the one talking. She's the one drawing the crowd. Joe probably just set it up as her manager. So The don't let us down, that rubbed me the wrong way, too, because I just I hate hearing that when it's clearly her fame and her success that got them to that point.
0: Right. And it's just putting more weight on her, too. And uh, I just no one should ever say that to someone in any situation. But so uh, so as she's like waiting and panicking, a woman says to her that she's sorry about, quote, stuff in Portugal. So. We're also like, okay, what does that mean? Nora doesn't know what she's talking about. And then she's being really ushered onto the stage. I mean, I'd like almost pushed, basically. She doesn't want to go. And so she slowly begins to just talk about life and how weird it is that we as humans live such linear lives when they're actually more like a tree. And she goes on about how the, how quote the tree is our life. It's like branches and twigs and perspectives, different journeys. Um, she talks about how she even mentions in her speech, how like this isn't, this isn't her life in one instance. And she gives them Mrs. Um's advice about quote, the only way to learn is to live. So she talks a lot about how everyone sort of has an idea of what makes a successful life. And in many cases, what you think makes it successful actually doesn't. And this is, as we said, people came with an expectation and this is not at all the speech that they were there for. And ironically, the only person in the crowd who is smiling up at her is Ravi. So he's there and I mean seems to be supportive of everything that she's saying and so to me I was like okay this speech is really not that bad actually for someone being thrown on the spot you know so far you're winging it and it's fine (laughs) and then she kind of goes down uh, a path about you know a rotten life is kind of like a rotten tree and at this point Joe is on the sidelines trying to cut her off you know telling her to stop and so as she's saying all this like she's realizing it too for herself and she starts to fade away but before she does I love that she just tells everyone to be kind and she tells her brother how much she loves him that's so sweet
1: but I love I love that during this speech like I feel like these this was the moment that I saw that things were really starting to click her, Like, yes, she's had these like deep, really insightful conversations with Mrs. Elm in the library every time about how to live your life and what to look for and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like this was the moment that she was like, your life isn't just this one path. You can do so many things. And you don't have to live this life. I mean, even if you are living, you can jump lives in a sense. Like you can change the trajectory of your path. It's it's all up to you and anything's possible and just inspiration, inspiration. And so I, this was the moment that I was like, girl, you are
0: getting it. Mrs. Elm is getting through to you. <laughs> yes. She is. She's getting it. It's about all of the possibilities. And and I like that too, because I think that everyone it, in society, we just hound on everyone sort of this linear lifestyle that you have to create for yourself. You're going to do this. then by this age, you're going to do this. And by this age, you're going to do this and this, 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 and this, and then, and then you're old and then you die. And it's not that straightforward. And it doesn't, I mean, it shouldn't be, and it doesn't have to be, you do not have to be on just this, like one foot in front of the other straightforward path. There are lots of different possibilities. And Nora is seeing that and yes. so you know not the speech that they were hoping for but maybe the one they all needed
1: I feel um, like they kind of jumped out like to the audience and I think they that Matt even described them as looking like really confused yeah. of like what is she talking about but then again like I I would feel inspired by a speech like that so it couldn't have been all bad
0: <laughs> good speech Matt good one yes <laughs> So, when Nora arrives back at the library, something is wrong and this chapter is called System Error. Lights are flickering and it also seems like Mrs. Elm um can't hear or see her. She's, Nora's trying to get her attention and Mrs. Elm um looks pretty worried. She's staring at a computer screen that says System Error. So it's only when Nora ends up tapping her on the shoulder that Mrs. Um realizes she's there and says there was a, quote, "external problem in Nora's main life. And so, I mean, it's kind of like, is she dying? What that this is what confused me too, because I was thinking, like she's either
1: dying or maybe someone like found her and is trying to like resuscitate her. Like, True. because I was thinking like, you know, the, like the lights flickering could be like an electrical shock or, so you know, like what I couldn't figure out what the, the error was from her outside life. I, I didn't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure either, but Whatever it is, like, this is also, like we were talking about, we can see it in the past chapter, sort of the shift in Nora, and, like, it's clearly shifting here, too. And so, so with those more positive thoughts, I would say this glitch seems to kind of disappear. So, which then that would make me think that, like, maybe someone isn't resuscitating her, but I don't yeah. know. It's, the external part is weird.
1: Our boy yeah. Matt never describes it.
0: It just says it's an external error. (laughs) Yeah, and the Midnight Library is dependent on Nora. She is, quote, the host of this place, and its entire existence depends on her and her being in the state. Like, she, I mean, if she dies in her root life, then she's going to die. So um, Nora talks about how she doesn't really think she was happy in that life as a swimmer and mrs elm asks her if happiness is really the goal like is happiness just the goal of her life which like do we all does anyone really know that i feel like we all that's such a common thing to say people are like what do you want in life and you say oh i just want to be happy yeah and i mean i even had someone I, i've said that to someone too like oh i just want to i want to be happy and it's like well that's A really simple way to look at it too I don't know so Nora says that she really just wants her life to mean something and that having not having a meaning was really what was missing in her original life and so before we leave this chapter she decides she's gonna pursue their the life as the glaciologist which cool yeah and also uh, like, what a nice
1: flashback to the very first, you know, opening book or opening chapter, if you will, the prologue of this book where she's talking to Mrs. Elm in real life when
0: she's just a little kid about being a glaciologist. I know I'm obsessed with these next couple of chapters. I think yeah, that this is probably my favorite part of the book so far for many reasons, but I really, really like this part. So we're in the next chapter and... I'm sorry for any of these names that I butcher, but Svalbard and is this chapter? Okay, Uh, I need to brush up on my Norwegian. Um, Okay, side note, someone asked me like a few days ago, they're like, are you from the Netherlands? And just like in that area? And I was like, no, but I wish that's- Okay, but on that note, really quick,
1: someone in high school, I don't even remember who, but they were like a grade older than us, literally thought that I was like an exchange student from like Sweden. Wait, really? Yeah. I was like, girl, I'm American. Like I've been here this whole time. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> she like came up to me like the same way and she was like, oh my God, like,
0: are you from Sweden? And I was like, no, <laughs> Maybe Maybe she thought. I I do remember there was this one girl from Norway who was an exchange student, and she did. I mean, she had like really straight blonde hair, like you do. Maybe she thought you were her.
1: Maybe I don't know, but I I do remember that girl too. But no, it
0: wasn't me. (laughs) I remember her too. I had French class with her, and I remember I thought I was kind of obsessed with her a little. Yeah. I like she was stunning, and. The whenever she spoke French, it just sounded so much cooler than yeah. everyone else's. I so. had the
1: same thing, I had a German foreign exchange student in my French class, and I like the accent. I'm just like, God damn it, Like it's unthinkable
0: because you're already European, <laughs> it's not fair. You know, I'm like, Are you sure you should be in this like level one French? I feel yeah. like. <laughs> it's an easy a. <laughs> You're a step ahead of the rest of us she's probably um, already
1: speaking French like in elementary school so yeah I know
0: it, <laughs> okay so Nora wakes up on a boat in a small cabin and again she like notes her appearance and how she physically feels and okay so on this note too I was thinking about this a little bit more and I was kind of I don't know Initially, I was like, wow, is that really superficial of her? And then I thought, well, no, like one, I think that's really natural that you would do that. And any individual knows like how their body feels and when it feels good and what that looks like for them. So I think that that would be really natural. And I I just find it interesting that it's called out with each life that she thinks about that and how she feels and how she looks it's and like a like
1: a personal journal almost of like
0: oh today I
1: felt like this but at the, I mean like you said it's not like she was seeking different lives to like oh I want to be more athletic and I want to be this like she is just like oh shit this
0: is how I feel today or, this is how I right. look and I also feel like it's a it's sort of how she, her first judge of how comfortable she is, because Mm -hmm. like, we all know what, how, when we feel comfortable in our own body, whether that's how it physically feels or what we're wearing, what we look like, like you can always know what you feel comfortable in. And Mm so I kind of feel like that's her first indicator of how she's going to almost like a wife. And um, I'm sorry from the fact that she's hungover in this one, but right. I mean, okay. Um, and there's there's another woman there, and she asks Nora, you know, why are you here? And not as in, like, why are you here in this life? But the woman's just like, why are you so far away from the rest of the world? Um, so this woman is Ingrid, and she tells Nora that she, Ingrid, it, I mean, did it to get away from the ghost And the grieving that she was going through in her hometown, it sounds like someone, I don't know if it was someone she was in a relationship with or whatever, had passed away. And just everywhere she went, there were ghosts. And so she felt like she needed to get as far away from that as possible. Um, So... She's got some sort of relationship with this woman. Obviously, the woman's opening up to her. And then before we head into the next chapter, I love that Nora just, she sees this rifle in her cabin and she's like, wow, I'm really on an adventure. And it's yeah. excited about it. Hell yeah. I'm going to shoot some stuff, maybe. <laughs> maybe. 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 Oh maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. I would be like, uh, don't give that to me.
1: Do you it. And maybe I'm maybe I'm skipping ahead, but I feel like wasn't there a, a moment in the book where she had mentioned like having been like into shooting or like had used a gun before? I maybe I'm making that up, but I swear like because I mean we figure out pretty quickly that she kind of knows she does. So I can't remember if if she had said like her dad had taken her in the past or or I what. I
0: can't remember. But she does. No, she you're right, she does. She she's excited about it and she knows what to do with it, which Mm -hmm. is more than I can say for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're now in the chapter Hugo Lefebvre. Is that Lefebvre? He's French. And uh, Nora is just having her breakfast in the dining hall with other people that are there, and a man sits by her, and he eventually introduces himself as. Hugo. Um, it kind of seems like he studied her beforehand and he already knows that her name is Nora. So he starts to talk to her about a paper that she wrote in this line. And Nora is very clearly, you know, I can't go down this road. I can't have this conversation when I I really can't contribute to this. And so she's, she's trying to brush him off and is, you know, she's like, quote, vodka has stolen my memory. And <laughs> What a nice way of saying she's hungover. (laughs) I know. He keeps pushing her though and questioning her. And it's all very odd, I would say. And then he's, you know, casually like, So I heard you got the short straw of the day. And that Nora is going to be the quote spotter. And he's she's like, Yep, that's me. I am that's my job today. And he goes, Okay, good luck. And well, like, so at first I thought maybe
1: it's positive. Like maybe they're whale watching or something. (laughs) That would be nice. I'm sure there's like killer whales out there or something. I mean, you're in like the Arctic.
0: (laughs) So that would be really cool. But no, that's not what she's doing. It's much scarier. And so in the chapter walking in circles, we find out that this means that Nora, um, along with her rifle and a saucepan and ladle and a flare gun, I should say, she is going to be on the lookout for polar bears, so the other scientists are going to head out and do their science things and learn about glaciers and Nora is going to walk around and be on the lookout for polar bears because they're beautiful and poor things are losing their homes, but they're vicious. And I mean, with their food supply down because humans stink, um, you know, Nora herself could be a really great dinner or snack. So also really boring. Like there's nothing out there. And so in all of this, she's like, she's really she's questioning her choice in this life I think that's so funny when she's like I could have gone anywhere and I'm here in the freezing 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 Walking in circles <laughs> yeah and and she she does think a little bit too about solitude and how the different and the difference between solitude in this life that she's found herself in and solitude in her root life and how in her root life, it was, you know, a lot of like loneliness and she sort of saw her solitude as the problem. And here it's, it's definitely more of a feeling of peace. Mm -hmm. Um, She also recalls Ash, who, if we remember, he was the man who told her about her cat dying. And so I just bring this up because I feel like there are just these random mentions of him. And so I, I feel like he's going to come back. And so she does she recalls this conversation that she'd had with him in the hospital back when her mom was there, and they had talked a bit about social media and how, quote, he believed that more people were connected on social media, the lonelier society became. And I feel like that's so true. even I mean, you're doing it now too, like doing social media for work and for my job is one thing, but when it comes to actual like personal social media, I just don't really care for it because I don't like the impact that it has on my mental health. And I do think it has a tendency to make people feel really lonely. You're not, you're not finding that peaceful solitude that, that will, I know it looks different for everyone. Like Nora's sort of finding it, I mean, questioning your life, but sort of finding it on this glacier and like I find it a little bit more if I'm reading or walking um so and I'm I mean totally like again doing it for work or
1: doing it for someone else is one thing but like haven't you ever sat in a room with your husband and you guys are both on your phones and like not engaging with each other because I find that happening quite a bit in our house as well And it's like that's like I'm literally sitting in the same. We could be sitting on the same couch, and we're not engaging in conversation with each other. We're both just in the room together, alone on our phones, and it's it's depressing. depressing. (laughs) And there's no solitude in that. I mean, that's what makes it almost more sad. Is that like you have the realization that you're with someone, but you're also completely alone in that moment too. And the other thought I had while reading this is like, I know that she's kind of like, what the hell? Like, why am I just walking around in circles looking for polar bears? But like, compared to at least the last section where she had to walk in and give a speech, like, don't you think she'd be a little grateful that she doesn't have to be the scientist that she actually is in that moment? Like, there's no way she can have a good conversation about what they're looking for. (laughs) Right.
0: I, I don't know. I think this is really cool. I wish, I wish I was doing something that cool. I don't know, but I mean, maybe not because before the chapter ends, like something massive is coming towards her. So, and I don't know that I'd want to experience that. Although I would love no. to see, you know, this massive thing from uh, have a, a distance. Like yeah, yeah, the boat.
1: safety of a, a boat—that would be great.
0: <laughs> that, that would be really good, and. So I like this next chapter is seven words total and it's just called a moment of extreme crisis in the middle of nowhere and all Nora says is oh fuck. I this next chapter too I thought it, it, like it's kind of making me laugh in the midst of her her crisis but it's the frustration of not finding a library when you really need one and so we find out it is a polar bear that is moving toward Nora quite quickly she shoots the flare gun and is just hitting the ladle on the saucepan while screaming and she's yelling about wanting to go back to the library um i mean over and over and over again and then in the midst of all of this terror she realizes she doesn't want to actually die if this is a real situation something's coming toward her she could die probably a pretty painful death and yeah. she realizes here that that's not what she wants and this thought alone becomes so much bigger than her terror and being scared and so she just continues to bang the pan and eventually the bear heads back into the water because if you read it you would know that bears are afraid of the sound and so crazy that would be oh I would literally be shitting my pants. <laughs>
1: well, okay, there's like, there's a saying about bears and I don't remember all of them, but it's like, like you have the a black bear that I think you're supposed to like get big and that's what scares them. And then a brown bear, I think you're supposed to like, I don't know, like get small, like go in the fetal position so that they think you're dead. And then the last one is like a polar bear will legit kill you. Like they don't care. And it's like, there's a rhyme that goes with it. But all I remember was the polar bear. And it's like, if it's white, good night. Like, you are going to die. <laughs> so oh yeah, let's well, so no one ever encounters a polar bear.
0: <laughs> and follow us for more bear saving Hurt your life it. advice. <laughs> it. Oh my accurate. <laughs> yes. oh yeah, my
1: don't goodness. listen to me. And I might be totally wrong, but I think. I think I'm (laughs)
0: semi-accurate. I mean, the rhyme, that, holy cow. Okay. I'm going to look it up. Keep Um, talking. I'll I'll, I'll come back to this. (laughs) Okay. Let's come back. Come back. I like this. I need this knowledge. So our next chapter is Island. Everyone is on a dinghy. And they all assume that Nora is in shock because of her bear encounter. Duh. But really? She's, I mean, she's in shock that, she found this want and this will to live in what was, quote, a vastness inside her. So all of this is happening while they're passing an island. And on the island, too, she she makes a note how it's, quote, life surviving against the odds. And that is kind of how she feels about herself, too, finding this one little thing or piece of hope to cling to. So... The next chapter is permafrost sorry back these are all you know terms that I do not say in my day-to-day life (laughs) back on the main boat Nora I mean she can't tell her colleagues how she's really feeling how she's actually really grateful for this bear and she makes note that while this life is quote intense it's also showing her that her original life was very boring and I mean to be honest I would argue that a lot of people's lives are probably quite boring in comparison to this. And so she starts to think back to her parents and their lives. And I didn't want to go into like the details of all of that, but ultimately the big conclusion that she comes to is that, I mean, she loved her parents quote more than she ever knew. And she forgives them for everything. And it's, like the permafrost that is thawing and part of the reason that all of these scientists are there, Nora seems to be thawing in a way as well. And again, like I just, I love that. Like we are, we're seeing her
1: crack in a sense. Yes. Like he is finally coming to this. Maybe life really is worth living kind of thoughts and like to forgive those regrets and to forgive people that she felt hurt by, or maybe people who she felt caused her life to go down certain paths. And I feel like we've seen a lot of that, obviously building even from peppermint tea, but like she's really starting to let the teachings of Mrs. Elm and just her life kind of sink in and finally feeling that she, she really could be living a good life after all.
0: She could. She could be so many things. She could be whatever she wanted to be.
1: And I feel like in a sense, and I'm sure we'll get to this like toward the end of the chapter, but I'm so art toward the end of the book, but I'm so curious, like what life she'll end up choosing or like if she does kind of snap out of it, because I would be so curious from all of these teachings, what she decides to pursue. Like, I don't feel like it's too late for her to start a new chapter in her real life if she's able to get out of
0: this library yeah it will be really interesting and I mean on that note too what you're saying it it's is uh I mean sort of showing anyone how like you could sort of start at any point and yeah a new so all right so this is this chapter is one night in long year
1: Nicely said.
0: I, I was
1: like long. I like had to like do it each segment. <laughs> long I'm,
0: I'm sure someone from there can say it much more eloquently. Um, I did look it up, though, because I wanted to see pictures of this place. And not going to lie, it looks really cool. The the cold doesn't bother me. So for me, I, I thought, wow, this seems like a really neat place to visit. Um yes, but just visit though, not live. <laughs> oh no. D- not not my thing to live. There's only like a thousand or two thousand people, I think, that live there. It's tiny. Hmm. But um I didn't go onto the website, but there were there were things when I was just doing a random search for it that were like tourism and long year bien. And oh, <laughs> so nice. clearly people go. Um, nice. it is the world's northernmost town. And Oh. Maybe so, we should go sure that.
1: <laughs> I know let's,
0: let's go. go let's go oh my gosh maybe but let's do other things like while we're there not just go to Long European
1: yes um
0: yes. <laughs> so Sonora thinks about how you, you know what her her career path in this life although it honestly it's kind of a bit depressing because it's I mean she's just basically figuring out like what climate and what people are doing wrong and the impact that that is having on the world. But despite all of that, she says, quote, there was purpose, there was meaning, which is, I mean, that's what she was saying she was looking for in her original life, or at least that's what was missing from her root life. So this crew goes out to dinner and Hugo is still studying her and When he walks with her, he says he finds it pretty interesting that she didn't know who he was when they spoke earlier. So like, that's not good. And apparently they had talked before and he has been quite the little observer in watching her and how she's been speaking all day. And finally, he tells her that he is just like her. And he says, quote, I visit lives that aren't mine and bombshell
1: that's I I love that like I think that is so because you're kind of wondering like while you're reading this book like who else is involved or who else has gone through this now we know Hugo is in fact also a I don't know, librarian, if you will. <laughs> like he's going through the same journey. And we do find out more about what his experience has been like, but I think it's so cool. And of course, like, I mean, come on, our boy Matt has to have a little bit of a love story in there too. <laughs>
0: so needs something. Yep. Yeah. Gotta <laughs> got throw in a little bit. And so of course, like they I mean, they agree to talk more. Hugo's like, I got a lot to tell you. And Nora is I mean, she needs the info, and we need the info. So then we have kind of this random chapter in between, though, where you're anxiously awaiting what Hugo has to say. We have the chapter, Expectation. And it's Nora thinking about how she's never accepted herself for who she really is. And she thinks about how, if she was actually able to do so, it would be freeing. It would just be such a freedom to actually be able to think that way and and I feel like this random
1: chapter kind of follows suit because we were even seeing before how like random little flashes of something that's happened to her in the past have kind of popped up throughout chapters too so I feel like it's it's fitting that you might as well have just a whole random chapter
0: about how how she needs to accept herself yes (laughs) And I mean, it's good. She's she's unpacking a lot. And we have a lot to unpack too in this next chapter because it's called Life and Death and the Quantum Wave Function. And so I'll try not to talk about it for an eternity, but (laughs) there was just so much, so much going on in this chapter. So Hugo is having a similar experience to Nora, but he doesn't have a library. He has a video store and which is just so I just picture going to a block like a blockbuster and family video, uh, and- family video. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. That's what it makes me think of. Um, so one person is there just like one person is at Nora's library, but for Hugo, it is an uncle who had passed away years ago. Um, Hugo also tells Nora that, like, he's met even more people that are like them. And he calls them, quote, sliders. And, I mean, I guess I can't think of a better term or, def- like, word for them yet. But I don't I don't really like this word. It's fitting, I guess. But yeah. I just, something about it is weird. They're not, like, they're not time travelers.
1: But they're not, yeah, like... It just seems weird to like slide into a life. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not that it's not fitting, but that's just my personal. <laughs> so the specifics may change person to person as he goes ex- explaining, but it's templated. It is they have one person or one guide in a place that has some sort of meaning to whoever the individual is, like whoever is in Nora or Hugo's position. And whatever it is, there are an unending number of possibilities. Um, The only one that I, so I didn't understand, I was like, okay, I get the library, I get the video store, I get the art gallery, but they also mention a restaurant and they're like unending meals. And not that that doesn't sound fantastic, but I just don't know how that could be as, in, like I, I don't know I was like well so what do you mean unending meals like the person sits down and they get a meal and then they're transported to a different world and they're like having dinner I don't I just was not that's not clicking well, in my
1: head and like with each book or with each video or even each art piece I'm sure that it's more representative of like that person like each book Nora's reading is a book of her life so like how how are you telling me like a soup is a version of someone's life
0: (laughs) that doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) yeah whatever whatever (laughs) I just I'm not following that specific example and so Hugo explains how it's quote many worlds interpretation of quantum physics and this theory suggests that with well really that there are layers to every life and but they're all with slight differences but they're happening at the same time so they are parallel universes and I was kind of thinking of it I mean like a book even just the actual pages or a stack of paper it's like that where they're all layered on top of each other but each individual piece is sort of this parallel alternate life and if you think about it too like the farther away you go from the center of it the more different they might be Mm -hmm. and So this life though is the longest that Hugo has ever stayed in one. So he's been in this life for five days and which that's kind of crazy. And that five days is the longest. I don't know. That just seems so brief, but, um, but if you think about it too,
1: I mean, Nora's only ever been in a life for, it seems like a few hours, maybe.
0: Yeah, it's more of the fact for me that once he says, "Well, I've experienced like three hundred lives," and I think, "Well, in in three hundred lives, you've literally never stayed for more than five days." It's a right. lot. That's a lot of lives, and and that's a lot
1: of like. I mean, if his template is similar to Nora's, then it's also a lot of disappointment.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is a. Lo- it's a lot of disappointment if his three hundred times was- disappointed in a life. <laughs> Right. I don't know. <laughs> although it, although it doesn't necessarily, I mean, we, I don't think we ever find out, but it doesn't mean that he also committed to, well, I don't know. He he, say, he was having uh, an aneurysm. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. He and I don't know if he's in a coma or. Right. What? But he does say you, you still, even then thinking about it out loud, like whether or not the person did the action that put them in this state. He says all of the people that he's met have had deep regrets in life. So even though he had an aneurysm mm-hmm. and is in a root life somewhere, it, he obviously was quite disappointed in
1: his, in root, his life. root life.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, and so he says that, but he also, and this was another interesting thing to me was all of the people he's met are kind of in the same age range. Like they're all in their 30s, 40s or 50s. I think he says the youngest person is like 29 that he's met. So I mean, all sort of around the same age, which is odd. Um, And Nora thinks about this and they, they also discuss how humans simplify the world around them. And this is so true. I mean, I do this too. We all like as humans just cannot grasp it. And then it was kind of making me think about, and this is I wish it had happened recently so I could recall it better, but I'm just going to simplify it a little bit. I remember how we, Jared and I, were listening to some podcast and he's kind of obsessed with outer space and aliens and things like that. And they, I can't remember the name of the theory, but there was, there's this theory how if there was some sort of other being out there and like, were they actually able to, if they actually came to earth, how we wouldn't even be able to recognize it. Like we would basically have the mind of an ant to them, and we wouldn't actually know if someone was here with the way that our brains work. So because of how we think so simply, yes, which I don't know. So it just kind of sent me on that like weird tangent of that um that podcast that we'd listened to a long time ago. And so, In other words, the library and the video store and everything is just a, quote, mental metaphor. And Hugo likes this life. He likes jumping to all of these different lives. And, I mean, he tells Nora, you know, like, you can be anything you want to be. I think that's an exact quote. And he tells her to, quote, dream big. And he even says, I mean, he's French and he's being, like, kind of, flirting with her and he says that he's only staying in this life because of Nora and then she is bold and kisses him. Uh, ah. but, but I mean I don't I just
1: I, I almost feel like that's kind of like guilting her in a sense. Like I, we don't know yet like how long she wants to be in this life but like imagine some random person showing up and being like I'm only in this life because of you. Like what after you just met him um well the other thing i love is that like i so like obviously this whole time she's until he tells her that he's also quote a slider she's like trying to like fend him off like go away leave me alone kind of thing and she even describes him as like not like the most attractive person but then it's like all of a sudden this like huge i don't know like maybe she just has this overwhelming urge to get physical with someone and he just happens to be the right person but it's like all of a sudden she gives in and and makes out with him and sure leads to other things but
0: I was just like you don't you didn't even like him <laughs> what are you I, doing <laughs> well and to be honest I felt like I even flipped back and forth where I was like do I like this guy I mean I kind of yeah. like him but now I don't really like him and now he's kind of creepy but now he's being sweet it is it's like Did you, I mean, do you just need this connection? And you had an intellectual conversation with someone who told you you're beautiful. Uh, I don't know. Either way, it's a bold move. She does what she needs to. And we're in the next chapter. If something is happening to me, I want to be there, which is a quote from a philosopher. And so they head back to Hugo's room and quote, but the sex turned out to be a disappointment.
1: I love that. (laughs) It's
0: so abrupt. Yes. Boom, she kissed him and then it sucked. (laughs)
1: Yes. Well, and I love that. That's such like what a good contradiction compared to like, for example, like the unhoneymooners that we last read where everything was like so passionate and like meant to be. And now it's like, yeah, actually that sucked. I did not enjoy
0: that (laughs) sex. this whole thing is like I love it (laughs) I like it too and it's it's so awkward in a in a way that I love it's (laughs) it's really awkward and I mean also I know we're gonna get to it but like she realizes this and then she's I mean she kind of just fades away pretty quickly (laughs) can you imagine if this is real like being Hugo and you just had super disappointing sex and then the woman just disappears (laughs) You're like, well, wait, so that's my question. Because if this is
1: like actually a life, don't you think that like the slider Nora is disappearing, but the physical Nora that stayed there in that life is gonna like realize and come to and be like, What the f-? like, I'm having sex with a man
0: right now? Um, true, it's like, and he's gonna notice that the Nora that he had sex with. Is isn't there anymore yes so, <laughs> it's like, okay. how do you explain that <laughs> well how do you explain that in your the, two things well one you're like oh crap am i really bad at sex <laughs> and, and then two how do you tell this other person who's basically a new person what is happening i mean yeah. do you bring it? be like oh that vodka again you know
1: right <laughs> like oh we were so drunk and like yeah. now he pretends he's drunk i don't know
0: this, we never oh, know the this aftermath. Could, this could go down a very dark, dark, dark path. <laughs> oh my! Okay, but we don't go there. We don't go there. Um, yeah. Nora has disappointing sex, and we also know it's disappointing because her mind starts to wander, and she recalls like another philosopher and. She, I mean, she thinks about how maybe going through all of these 300 lives or so that he's done has probably affected Hugo in a way that, like, he can't form a real attachment with anyone or any place or anything. I mean, he can have these intelligent conversations, but when it comes to actually having a connection with someone, can he really do that? And then, like we said, she's gone. Yep.
1: And I feel like, I mean, so so true like to live 300 lives and say that he's you know had a, a woman in every life like I'm sure it's just all one night stands which then don't you think he'd be a little bit better at sex by now
0: I don't know thank you I've had <laughs> maybe a more I just my standards <laughs> maybe nothing wrong with that good for her um... <laughs> So she is back in the library. This is the chapter God and other librarians. Nora asks Mrs. Elm if she is God and all Mrs. Elm replies is that no, she's the librarian of the Midnight Library. And Nora, so it's funny because Nora acts as though she's a bit irritated by the whole like bear thing and almost dying thing. Um, because if she were to actually die in an alternate life, like she would really die and but Mrs. Elm calls her on it and you know finds it interesting because she also saw how her attitude about dying changed so like she can act irritated but it really had a huge impact on her on what she was thinking about this and she talks about how the book of regrets is also changing because fewer regrets are listed and So Mrs. Elm tells Nora to choose her next life carefully because the Midnight Library won't be around forever is basically what she says. And so Nora is choosing a life with music because something she's always been passionate about and she wants to know what it would be like to pursue that career. And the next chapter is appropriately named Fame. So (laughs) this is another situation. (laughs) <laughs> yes, this is another situation where I would be so terrified if I ended up in a life and all of a sudden someone wanted me to go sing, and uh, yeah,
1: I especially like because I mean she was only in that band in a certain you know portion of her root life. And like be famous now, they're probably playing songs that she's never even heard of yet because she hasn't written them yet. So it's like, oh, my God, it's the same thing with the speech. Yeah. Like walking on stage and just like totally blank. You have no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. She doesn't know where she is. What I mean, nothing. Um, But she's with Robbie and the Labyrinths and they're in Brazil. I mean, they've made it and they're getting ready to play the encore. And sounds like they have. A sat song that they normally do for the encore. And she's like, she's like, oh crap, I need them to choose a song I actually know and can play. Um, she also asked Ravi, you know, like, where's Joe? Because this was always that what she was gonna do with Joe, and he was a part of the band. And Ravi just says that Joe's with the press. And so also like while she's choosing the song and trying to get the band to, to pick a different one to play, she thinks back to Ash and his songbook. And again, like just mentioning it because I don't feel like we've seen or heard the last of Ash. So they decide on a song and they had out to play. And this next chapter is Milky Way. It's when Nora is walking onto the stage with all of the lights and cameras flashing and facing her. And it, I mean, it looks a lot like a milk, the Milky Way. And there's in this moment, and this roar from the crowd is when Nora realizes that realizes that she is so much more capable of anything that she ever gave herself credit for. And I'm so happy for her in this moment because this, whenever anyone has this moment for yourself, when you just realize like, oh my gosh, i can I can do this or I can do so much more than I ever thought was possible, makes me really happy for her in this instance. It's so cool.
1: Well, and I just love that we're seeing so much growth from her, like, okay, now she doesn't want to die. Now she's come to the realization that she's never accepted herself. And if she did, how freeing that would be. And now she's realizing like, okay, if I don't want to die and I can't accept myself, you know, what else am I capable of? And now she's on stage and she's like, I got this. Like I just walked up and I got this, I can do this. And I just feel like, yeah, it's like how freeing has that got to be
0: to just be able to be like you know what life i got you i can do this go meet (laughs) and speaking of freeing this chapter is called wild and free which is clearly how she feels because she notices that she has a tattoo that is a quote from henry david thoreau that says all good things are wild and free so something that she thought about wanting to feel free and here she is and so she sits at the keyboard and gets ready to sing the song that she says means a lot to her and her brother, Joe. And afterwards, Robbie notes, like how different she's acting. So they sing this song, it goes so well. And he's like, "Wow, well, you really don't you know, seem like yourself. She also gets a text from Izzy, it's the same quote. So seems like things are really good between them. And then a woman next to her named Joanna talks about the show and the rest of their tour schedule and how Nora is supposed to speak on a podcast. And whereas Robbie was just talking about how great that was. And, but then he kind of flips and now he seems annoyed by Nora gets a lot of the attention clearly Mm -hmm. for the band and then Ryan Bailey FaceTimes her and we recall if you're doing any flipping back and forth Ryan Bailey was or is an actor in this book and when Nora had been walking, you know, closer to the beginning of the book walking around her town and he he had been like either a picture of him or his name was mentioned at the cinema for a movie or a film that was out with him in it so he's facetiming her and we're in the chapter Ryan Bailey now <laughs> And so he's famous. He's phoning Nora, and they are they were dating, they're not dating currently. Um, Nora had actually like broken up with him, he just wasn't all that she had envisioned and imagined their relationship to be when she wasn't famous and thought about him. And we all dream about celebrities, and turns out in this life, like she dumped him.
1: Good for her, and wasn't he like? maybe I'm getting this wrong, but wasn't he like drinking in a hot tub or something like FaceTiming her? <laughs> I
0: oh, yeah. I, <laughs> he was drunk I, in a hot tub, like, hey, just try to catch up. <laughs> we're still friends, right? And, and like, look where I am. I'm in Mexico. And I like that she's kind of, she starts to question him a little bit about the way that she'd always thought like, oh, if I ever dated Ryan Bailey in Mm -hmm. her original life, like what their conversations would be like. And he has no, he's like, what are you talking about? I, oh, I probably did that for the press. I don't even know. Yes, because
1: he was saying like, I I think like philosophical quotes that she was like familiar with. So of course she's like, oh, like when you said this and he's like, oh no, I was just schmoozing the press. Like that's, I probably, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) So, again, like, but I love that this, like, that moment for her isn't necessarily, like, a disappointment from this no. point. Like, I feel like she, we've seen her grow so much that, like, oh, I'm not dating a celebrity. Like, sh- that doesn't make her fade to black anymore.
0: <laughs> if anything, she's proud of herself. and yeah. Which shows that growth. And so, this next chapter is a silver tray of honey cakes and which is apparently a brazilian delicacy and nora is i mean she's greeted by fans wanting pictures and autographs and one of them even says how her song had saved their life and it was a song that she wrote in her root life and it's now had this amazing impact in this life and she in all of this though so they've obviously like they played this this show and now they're they're making their way back to the hotel they're back the hotel and she wants to ask people about her brother because he's nowhere to be found and but doesn't seem like the right time and she's sort of being shuffled along and needs to go do this podcast so when I
1: first read sorry before we get like when I first read about like how she was greeted by like two guys and like they like they were debating on like what, where to do the podcast. I, I personally thought that things were going to turn a little dark, like maybe a little Harvey Weinstein-esque where like this young musician going to this room with these two press people, I don't know, but I'm glad that it wasn't as negative as I thought it was going to be. Like for some reason, I was just like, oh God, like this is getting creepy (laughs) like now that she's famous you know like I'm sure people are trying to take advantage of her in some way or another but
0: I was like no Matt don't do this to me now (laughs) that's true that's true I didn't think about that I I guess I was thinking about how like Joanna who's eating the honey cakes that was the only thing is so Joanna's eating the honey cakes in this chapter and is like oh but Nora can't have any and I mean no I want to eat the honey cakes but it it so I I sort of questioned it at first that I was like, is Joanna going to do something to her? Right. Like, she like is her she going do... advantage of her? Yes. Yeah. But it seems, well, and even in this next chapter, too, it actually seems like whoever this Joanna person is, she actually has her back. Um, yes. And I think Nora even says that at one point. But that was what I was wondering as I was like, ooh, what is this? What has Joanna gotten her into? And so it is now the podcast of revelations and Nora is being questioned about her her music. And in this life, she learns that she actually has a restraining order out against Dan and like she wrote a song about it. So in one life they're married and he's cheating on her. And and in this life he's crazy and she has a restraining (laughs) order and it's It's fitting, and I I like how it seems like she is herself in her music. She clearly pulls a lot of inspiration from philosophers, and they discuss how her song Howl has been such a major success. Honestly, in all of this, I thought Nora was totally crushing it with her responses. Um, Just because even the questions that they're asking her, are they're even in line with what she's going through and Mm -hmm. talking about the different life paths. And they talk about how happy she seems after, especially after changing up that encore song that they did. And, but this is when things kind of take a turn. And so she talks about how she misses London and everyone is surprised by this. And they sort of, the podcast host says, well, wouldn't that be really hard for you? And Nora can't exactly piece together why until he mentions how her brother was such an important part of the band and her life. And it's that key word was, and Joanna, I mean, steps into cover for this, but we find out that in this life, Joe died from an overdose and Nora is like rushing out to find Robbie as she, as she fades away because we think back to, and I actually had to flip back to this to look at specifically at ro- what Ravi had said and mm-hmm. it because we all thought that Ravi had said oh Joe's out schmoozing the press and mm-hmm. when she had asked about Joe I mean there's no like my brother Joe or he or this Ravi just says out schmoozing the press and they obviously call Joanna Joe it is just uh That was crushing
1: to find out. It's just like, I mean, I feel like there's just so many points where, like, things are getting really, really good for her. And then there's this huge blow. Like, I'm a successful Olympic swimmer. My mom's dead. I'm, you know, in Australia doing this thing that Izzy and I wanted to do. Izzy's dead. I'm in my root life. My cat's dead. Like, everything is dying around her. (laughs) And I just
0: surrounded by
1: a lot of death. Yes. But I love, I mean, it's, it sucks. And like, that's horrible, but I do love that. It's like every time she learns of something like that, it just kind of makes her stronger in a sense too. But it is kind of crazy to me how like throughout this whole book, no one talks about grief necessarily. With all of this death around her, like there's no moment of pause. I mean, she she gets pissed, she gets sad, but there's no moment of like actual grief. Like, oh my God, my mom is dead. Like I can't, there's nothing I can do to like get her back in my life or whatever. There's just no, it's just like she accepts it and then goes back to the library because it sucks. (laughs) So maybe, oh my God, maybe maybe the library is kind of a symbolism for grief too. Look
0: at that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Could be I don't know maybe I'm just I pulling my feet out of the air.
0: <laughs> no, no i I think they're all put there and and we grasp at them, but I think they're intentional. Matt's Matt's done a good job with all yeah. of that. so yes. before we get to the library though, we do see the lyrics for Howl and I didn't really go into the details of them, but i I thought they were really beautiful and like kudos to Matt. I mean, boy I can write a song it's right. Like,
1: I mean, yeah, for being an author of a book, he like actually wrote a full-on rock song in a sense. Like I'm sure, yeah. the that, like whenever I see things like that though, do you ever try to put music to it? Like what you think it would sound like? Oh, all the time. Because I'm like, I wonder, like again, if this were to ever be a movie, like what would that soundtrack
0: be? We better get to hear Howl well if it
1: does. I, I know but yes Um, the, the lyrics were beautiful for sure
0: was so this is love and pain the chapter and Nora is pissed she wants everything to stop or at least that's what she says I mean she says it's all too painful and with each life it seems like a different person is hurt. Or like we were just saying, it is almost like death. There is a different death in nearly every life, nearly everyone. Um, mm-hmm. except for maybe like the pub. Um, and and that's the death of her marriage. It, I was just gonna say, but that's the death of her marriage. So <laughs> <laughs> yep. and so in this, the library starts to shake again. Seems like we're gonna have another system error here because Nora is the reason for its existence. And Mrs. Elm tells her, you know, remember the polar bear and remember how it felt to want to live. And so then we get, you know, another metaphor for life and this time related to chess and sort of, you know, like the messiness of it. But Mrs. Elm says the game is never over until it's over. And she brings up a memory of Nora's with Joe and Ravi actually who um, it sounds like someone had challenged her to like swim in a river and all of a sudden it is like half library and half memory and she's watching this memory and we get this brief chapter called Equidistance where Nora remembers swimming in this river and she remembers being equidistant between the banks and I mean, just being in the middle and stuck between both sides of the river, but she, she made it. I mean, she committed to finishing and she committed to getting to the other side. She didn't stay stuck. She finished it. And although it sounds like it was really terrible.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so it was like semi drunk doing it. And I thought for sure someone was about to like
0: have to jump in and save her. So i'm glad that she succeeded but yikes Uh, yeah i i didn't i didn't like that part that part makes me think back to um my parents pond where that people swim in and it's not a river but i Mm. can just remember also being out there and oh i so i don't know it gives me chills thinking about all of that you won't you won't catch me out there now um, that's no. sure. <laughs> um, so the next chapter is someone else's dream. And Mrs. Alm reminds Nora about how she, you know, she found that piece inside of her to keep going when she was in the river. And she found that piece inside of her with the bear. This, e- even if it's small, she'd found this little piece of hope. And through all of this, she also starts to realize that, every life that she has experienced through this has really been someone else's dream. Um, like Dan is the pub. Dad was swimming. Music was Joe. Um, even the, the glaciologist was in a way, Mrs. Elms. And she, so Mrs. Elm tells her to, to choose a life, but maybe one that's farther away, not something that's super obvious or, or not even a life that you feel like you have to fix something, that you feel like you have to fix a regret. And mm-hmm. so we're talking again about chess and and how with chess, I mean, there after that first move and moves later on, it just opens up like all of the different possibilities, a lot like life. And so she decides she wants to try a life where she works with animals. And That leads us into our final chapter before for this part, at least for part two. And it's called A Gentle Life. And I love that it's called that. And then it literally starts by saying it's, quote, an easy life to slip into. And she's working at an animal shelter, feeding and walking dogs and even taking care of one that's been mistreated. And then when she sits down for lunch, a man named Dylan joins her. And when he reaches out to put an arm around her, she freaks out because, like, she doesn't realize it at first, like, Dylan is her boyfriend. And it's like, <laughs> and I love that he's just like, oh, is your, is your shoulder hurt? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, what a
1: nice guy. But like, yeah, again, like, imagine slipping into a life where, like, you clearly don't know the background of everything. And some dude, like, snuggles up to you. I'd be like,
0: what the hell? Oh, yeah. I'd be like, excuse you. Um. So, honestly, it's probably a good thing she only jumped and didn't it, really. I think she says, like, two words or semi words, but I, I'm i impressed she didn't say more. And or like punch him in the face, the poor guy. <laughs> I know, I know, and so she actually remembers him from all of those years ago when she was a kid in the library with Mrs. Elm, and I think she'd seen him outside through the window, and so, Somehow they've ended up together. They're talking about getting dinner together and even seeing the Ryan Bailey film. And it does seem gentle, I guess. Um, She can sort of, I don't feel like she feels really attracted to him. She more just sees like what is appealing about him and why this Nora would like him. Yes.
1: And I feel like, I mean, he is kind of like a a gentle guy to go with her gentle life. Because I think they even described like like a piece of trash or something blew away. So he like ran over to go pick it up and throw it away. And just like this super nice, eco-friendly little man hanging out as her boyfriend.
0: (laughs) I know. And that's where we leave it. I mean, so we're leaving her in a good place. Well, till we pick it up tonight and we're we're finishing the book for our next episode. So we'll get to find out if Nora is going to continue on this journey of lives, what she's learning by living all of them. And ultimately what's, what's going to happen to the midnight library. I feel like there's been a lot of foreshadowing about how this is a dangerous place and, you know, You can't stay here forever. So what is going to happen to Nora? That's what
1: I'm excited about is just, again, like, if she does end up somewhere, what that life is going to be. Or if she doesn't and she's able to, like, come to somehow in her root life. Because I don't think that we really know like how Like I know we that she decided to die I'm assuming it's suicide but we don't really know like what she did you know like does she just like I, don't, I hope I hope it's something maybe more reversible of like maybe she was trying to overdose and like pukes it all up or something I don't know I just hope it's something that like if she can come out of it she does versus
0: I hope I so know. too but then okay so then my question with that is like I hope that's what happens but do you actually would someone remember what they went through do you think she'll have a recollection of that's a good question her time in the midnight library it makes you think though because I feel like
1: you know haven't you heard all of those near-death experiences where people are like I swear I've seen God or I've you know seen the white light or whatever so I wonder if maybe this will be like a I've seen God kind of moment for her where she's like in her subconscious, like, I know what I need to do now. I know my purpose in life or something.
0: I you mean, know? I hope that she would just because if she doesn't and she wakes up and is like, "Whoa, wow, that didn't work. Yeah, no. he, doesn't, a trip. <laughs> he doesn't remember any of it. Oh, that would be okay. Don't let us down, Matt.
1: Um, yeah, I doubt. I don't
0: think he would. I doubt he no, will. <laughs> no, okay. But before we go, Let's talk about who we would cast in the film adaptation of The Midnight Library. You yes.
1: Okay, so I was just looking at your list compared to mine
0: and we have a similar person on there. Again, again. <laughs> Look Yeah, we did that for the last one too. I
1: know. So I said um, either Claire Foy or Amelia Clark, because I feel like both of them I could see playing like very adaptable version. I mean, cause like whoever plays Nora, they have to be an Olympian. They have to be a rock star. They have to be all of these different people. And they also have to obviously be a very depressed person. So I feel like, like one of these actresses could take on that role kind of seamlessly. Also, of course they have to be from the UK like that's like a requirement so then for Mrs. Elm I chose Kate Winslet which obviously like the beautiful talented Titanic girl but equally like no offense and obviously it's true like she's aging and she's aging gracefully and beautifully but I just thought she could be a good like in my head Mrs. Elm isn't like super old like I didn't want her to be like a grandmother in a way so I was like maybe Kate Winslet's a good like midlife wise Mrs. Elm
0: (laughs) that's I really like that choice I I hadn't (laughs) thought about her and but I really really liked it I also so so I'll start with my for my Mrs. Elm one too because so I had initially I was the same way like I didn't I don't picture Mrs. Elm as this grandmother really person but I picture Julie Andrews voice
1: mm-hmm. and so
0: I thought a lot about her but I was like no like she's not the right one but I that I mean the way that she talks is sort of what uh yeah. and her aneurysm that's kind of what I was picturing like Mary so poppins ask a little bit <laughs> yeah um and so I actually thought of Emma Thompson for Mrs. L oh. um and then for Nora, I also said Amelia Clark. I love her, and I feel like yeah. I feel like she would do a really good job of encompassing all of the different paths and emotions. And then I also said Emma Watson. And
1: that's a good choice too. I did not think of her because I mean, and Emma Watson could be good because she's done, and I guess I. Don't remember. Amelia Clark has too. I was gonna say they've done some musical pieces too, because like obviously they need to be able to sing. Yeah, you know, for the rock star life. So those,
0: I think these are all good choices. Come on,
1: Matt, make this a movie.
0: I know. <laughs> I was trying to look it up, and I felt like I saw one like random article, but it didn't look. <laughs> Very legit. legit. So I, I was like, okay, maybe not. Someone that was just someone else fantasizing about wanting this to be a movie as well. Yes. So. Yes. All okay. Right.
1: But before we leave, I did find that bear quote. I was
0: talking yes. About. Us, give us all the insight on what to do.
1: Okay. So it can be simplified to the three bear types. If it's brown, lie down. So if it's a brown bear, lay down, play dead. If it's black, fight back. So that's where you like get big if it's a black bear cuz black bears are usually more scared of you than than you are of them. I mean, still scary, but obviously, whatever. And then again, if it's white, good night, you're dead. Like you have no chance. <laughs> that's that is that's the bear bear terminology.
0: <laughs> okay, that's I mean, kind of helpful and I like it. And there you go. I guess have make sure you have a pan and a ladle, and maybe you're going. <laughs> and a flare gun. Yep, let <laughs> everyone know uh, before it's good night. Okay, well, and check out Megan for more Bear Facts.
1: <laughs> the Midnight Library, sponsored by
0: Megan Bear Facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Music for this podcast was created by Remington Haynes. Join the conversation by emailing us at narrativesandnightcaps at gmail.com or visit our website, narrativesandnightcaps.com. Until next time, we hope you're enjoying a wonderful narrative.